All right, in three, two, one, and welcome everybody to a brand new, clean, professional start in 2020. I want to start off by saying best wishes for the Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you guys have a great new year, and Drew also has to say some good words now to you, I think, which you can actually hear. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat the same joke, but I will let you know I just started recording. Hell yeah, that's a good idea. Um... <laughs> Did you forget recording? <laughs> okay, so we don't have an intro. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, welcome everybody to episode 27 of the Framecast. We're starting off super professionally because we're talking about The Witcher. Last week, you may remember that Drew started talking about The Witcher and uh, was like, oh my god, we haven't touched on Henry Cavill enough. I don't think you can, ever can, but he was like, this is such a cool series, and I was just sitting there, and I had no idea what to say, because I hadn't seen it. So that exact evening, I spent my entire evening until the next morning, 10 a.m., watching the entire series, and my God, is it good. Yes. No, honestly, it is a very well-produced series. I'm super happy with the performance of the actors. The narrative was actually very difficult to understand. Like, if you didn't pick up on certain plot elements, it was like, what the hell? Uh, you know, how is this happening? I thought that happened beforehand. And then you find out, like, stuff is happening in different timelines. So I can completely appreciate that it's not the easiest thing to follow. Microphone, stop going up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think that, um, yeah, the performance was really good. I, the thing that I struggled with the most was trying to understand how all the story related together. I felt that so much of series elements in the in the season would just like you could just gloss over it and not actually have to go into any depth of what it meant but it was still a still a good a good show good series yeah so without without spoiling things for those of you who haven't seen it go watch it it's on Netflix now but um there are different storylines um for different characters and they're told like throughout each like every throughout each episode you will you will go along one story go a couple of storylines with different characters and you just have to figure out how they work together and over time it will become clear but you may have to like put yourself through to watching the first three episodes until you can fully kind of understand what the hell's going on anyway the fact that this thing i think it's like the in the top three of best watch series on Netflix already since they've come out. Really? Is, yeah. It's been doing really, really well. But um, the fact that that has been doing so good, and then we were taking a look at, I actually know the year, 93, when another game adaptation movie came out. Not a series, but a movie at that time, which was the Super Mario Bros. movie, which was, yeah, not good. I think that... It's a really interesting time to take a look at what does The Witcher mean when it's so successful right now for game adaptations? And can we see more in the future that are actually good? 
So I want to highlight here that we're talking about game adaptation. I would argue more that I've, I've never played Witcher 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Right, I tried to play Witcher 1 on PC. And this is back when I'm pretty sure I still had a CRT monitor. And it was on keyboard and mouse. I didn't have a gamepad. I didn't have like a PC X60 controller because the Xbox 360 wasn't even out there. And I'm pretty sure. And maybe it was. But the the big thing was I found it very clunky, very difficult to understand what the hell was going on, very difficult to play. The customization was just not there. And then ultimately, I just went, nah, nuts to it. Just flip the table. I'm off. So I cannot say whether or not the Witcher TV series is at least based off the first game. If anyone listening in chat is able to confirm or, you know, yes, it is, no, it isn't, then awesome. But I know that the it's certainly, the series is certainly set way before the third game, which I've recently picked up and started playing, even though I've owned it for months, and on Switch and on mm -hmm. PC. You know, but I'm now feeling that I'm able to get into the game a lot more without needing to play the first two. I feel the same way because I've always looked at The Witcher as this great series that people were praising for the things that it did right. And I've always been very reluctant to get into it because it were three games and I knew that there was a lot of story around it. It was a very story-based game as well, which I love, but it would have me play through three different titles for me to understand. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that. So this series that's come out now has been a really great reason for me to start picking up The Witcher, um, starting off with three. Maybe that's not a good idea, but I've already I've, I've already got it lined up to play. Um, but yeah, but I, one of the, go ahead. So just just to highlight how invaluable i have found the first series right mm -hmm. in the third game really early on you are referenced as the butcher of blaviken mm -hmm. right which anyone who's watched the series and i'm sorry this little spoiler alert, it is referenced to the first episode of the series right but the fact that like someone can throw a reference at me in the third game, and I'm like, oh my god, I understand what the hell he meant. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it takes you a lot further in the enjoyment of the game itself. Yeah. So the video brings up an interesting point in chat, was, uh, and they say, I believe the series is based off the books, not the games. Now I'm not very too familiar with the um, series. Do you know more about the books and the? and the game and how they exist in relation to each other? Unfortunately, I don't. Um, I have heard, um, I think I may have heard that the games are set after the books. Mm -hmm. Right? Not um, the rest of my sentence. Not... At the same time? Yeah, not, not the same after... time frame, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not the same time frame. It's it's after. Mm -hmm. So yeah, because that's what I've heard. I also don't, I also don't know yet necessarily whether I I'm I'm trying to look it up right now whether the books came first and then the games came. I think the books came first. Um, yes, yeah, 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 the books came first and then the and then the games. So basically, we're talking about like a game adaptation of 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 a book. 
But I feel that we're somewhat right in saying that it's also like a movie adaptation or a series adaptation of a game because I think that the game really popularized it to the level that so many people are now willing to jump into this series as a Netflix series, um, which may have been different when it was a book because a lot of like, especially like Henry Cavill just looks very well like the the Witcher on, on the cover art of the series where I'm like, I recognize that man. They did that really well, actually. Yeah. And one thing you may not know is that with the launch of the Netflix series, they the, the game like sold an insane number of copies again, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it was the, the Steam Winter Sale. Probably, like, yeah, I, because yeah. it was really cheap at that at, at that point. Still, like, in, like it had a huge resurgence. Mm-hmm. So, so, what do you think is a big difference between something, between, like, game adaptations? Because as far as I've grown up, I've always had this assumption that when it comes to adaptations of games into movies or series, they're always kind of crap. As far as I've as as far as I've grown up with, um, as an example, I put forward the uh, what is it, the Super Mario Bros. movie, which we we shouldn't talk about. But if you go, there's actually a really cool Wikipedia page where they list all the adaptations of games into films or series or animated series, and most of them don't score really well on reviews. How do you feel that? Like, what do you think is the difference between the adaptations from back then and adaptations like right now where it concerns, well, The Witcher, but also I think that World of Warcraft, the Warcraft the movie um, was also pretty good. Yeah, so... So first off, everything's down to matter of opinion. Mm -hmm. So I may say something's a pile of garbage, but someone else may say it's absolutely amazing. So we are talking as two internet... People's to influencers. Everything you hear on the internet is true. We don't do critical <laughs> thought. So yeah, we're, just, we're laying out the facts. There we go. Um, but the one one thing uh, I think is really key is the translation between narrative of the big screen and sorry from the uh, the the game to the big screen. Mm-hmm. So I can't really remember the plot of Super Mario Brothers. Um, I think it was some of the jankiest narrative ever. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the movie. Sorry, apologies. The the games, they don't care what they are. You know, they, they are they are aspiring to be something fun and silly, right? Mm-hmm. I think a good pair of game movie adaptations to look at are the Doom. Um, game to movie adaptation and the oh gosh what's the the other one Resident Evil right Mm -hmm. so have you watched the Doom movie I have not but please um, fill me in so so one of the big things about the Doom movie is it features Dwayne The Rock Johnson Mm -hmm. and Carl Urban right Mm. and I love me Carl Urban all right, he is a phenomenal actor and does incredible stuff. 
But ignoring that, the the narrative of the Doom movie was not that of the original game, where hell has opened a portal on Mars and demons have taken over the planet and you have to escape, right? You know, you have to fight back the hell demon hordes. It, it's something crazy, like, you know, oh, they have this extra chromosome. And as a result, they, 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 yeah, which one? they were trying to cure disease. And uh, which one? but sometimes they mutated into monsters. And there was this one bit with the first person shooter aspect of it. And it was, it was royally dumb, <laughs> right? It was like, this is about as removed from doom as anything. So. But it it was an all right watch, but it was it was trying too heavily to just rely on the name mm-hmm. than be a homage to the actual game, right? Mm-hmm. But the the other comparison is the Resident Evil films, at least the first two, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna focus on the first two. They are nothing like the games, right? Mm-hmm. However, they are fully an entertaining watch, right? They are something you can turn your brain off to because they took the core elements of um, they took the core elements of the games themselves, but weaved a coherent narrative that you could understand for the big screen, mm-hmm. right? One of the biggest problems that, uh, you know, say, say they had Last Strand, the movie, right? It would just be 10 hours of a, an actor just walking around, mm-hmm. right? With like five minutes of dialogue here and there. It, it wouldn't translate well at all. I think that there are two very key important um, elements that are leading to greater adaptations in the sense of better stories that are being told like in the Witcher series or like the the Warcraft movie um, and that are also leading to closer adaptations of the source material that they don't just take the name and run with whatever they want to because they think that that will work better but they actually kind of follow what made the game or what made the series popular to begin with. And I think that the two may, uh, two key, key elements are that, number one, games are uh, suiting themselves better for storytelling and they tell greater stories um, than before. It's If you look back at the time of the NES, if you look at which basically was the console that popularized the home console gaming scene and move that onward into like more the mainstream culture after the 1983 game game crash um that was like it showed cool games like there are really awesome games on that system something like super mario bros but like these weren't games that i can imagine people played first of all for the story and even if they did like the 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 capacity of these consoles to like put a well-contained story out there was really bad, I feel. Um, that's not to say that there aren't great story games for these previous consoles, but it was a lot harder to popularize something like that than it is today, don't you feel? 
I agree. And I think one of the bigger problems when it comes to storytelling in films mm -hmm. and storytelling in games is how the narrative is constructed. So with earlier games, like some of the old, earlier stuff, I remember there's a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Time Cop, mm -hmm. right? And I remember, I think it was for the Sega Mega Drive or maybe it was for the SNES. There was a Time Cop game, right? But it, it had no similarity to the, the actual movie itself. It was something that was lending on or leaning heavily on the success of the movie mm -hmm. to make a successful game launch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Are you with me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you have that today as well. You know, well, less so today. But now, because there is room, you know, what's called, some developers have put a lot of time and effort into making narratives more critical in the development of a game. Hideo it, you companies are able to see that people like having good, well-told narratives in these games. So now we have ammunition to make adaptations to movie, uh, to move, yeah, movies, a la the Warcraft. Mm -hmm. I think that um, that it's especially with the last decade or maybe the last two decades, very much thanks to the the change in technology, which has allowed us to really have some really stunning, stunning cinematics, stunning graphics, and also great voice acting work and really big long games. I think that whenever I play through games like The Witcher, like Persona, like uh, The Outer Worlds, there are games which I would consider closer to a medium, media source, actually not media source, a work of literature in a sense. Like recently, I don't know where I was talking about this with someone, but someone was um, talking about the decline of literacy, not in the sense of like liter literacy as being able to read, but in the literacy of the interest in books that young people have. And the fact that like it is declining right now that you are reading less and less and less. And I think that books are really interesting and there is really interesting literature out there because like reading can really enhance your life in the sense of getting to see other simulated perspectives or other simulated storylines and places. Well, the idea of a good book, the reason why a story works for people and why it becomes popular is because it's in some sense archetypal. It reflects a type of struggle or a type of conflict or a type of story, which is very common in people's lives. So that allows people mostly when they're reading it to put themselves in the shoes of the various different characters. And I know I sound like a literature teacher, but really like read books. It's freaking interesting if you actually like put your mind to it. Um, and through that, you can see why people act in a certain way. And that can allow you to open up your mind and learn about why people act in certain ways and learn more about the world. Now, it's a fact that literacy or like the, the interest in books is declining, um, especially with new mediums like television. Oh my God, I sound so old. Uh, movies and also games now. Um, you have much more alternatives. There's much more competition to spend your time with 
whatever you want. Um, however, I think that whenever I look at a, a story games like The Witcher, like Persona, like um, like uh, what was I saying, The Outer Worlds, whenever I finish these games, like I really get the same sort of sensation as I get from reading a book because I might be angering a lot of people, but at the same, but I just want to say playing through different scenarios like you, you may have seen it in the outer worlds playthrough that i did on the ch on the channel there were many many scenarios where it's no longer a will you save the princess that bowser has stolen it's like will you help these people that are enslaved to the corporation but because they work the co the colony can survive or will you help the people that were done with being enslaved and then deserted but at the same time are causing big concerns where people are starving it's like these choices where you're where you're being put uh where, where you're being put up, uh, up for because and seeing the different points of views and seeing this conflict play out in a game is like it's really out there it's really comparable i think to these works of literature so i think that games are becoming on a level where not all games of course i mean cookie clicker won't ever get there but i think that there is a solid case to make that there is a lot more narrative and archetypal narrative which is being portrayed in an excellent way in many different modern games so what was that big word you just used what was the big word i used well archetypal archetypal so archetypal is it kind of, like an archetypal story is a story kind of pushed to the bare bones. So an example of an archetypal story would be the the hero story. The hero story is an archetypal story. It starts off with the hero being in paradise. Then something happens which which causes him to to fall out of paradise. Then then he has to confront the dragon to get the gold and get back to paradise. So like kind of the idea of like. Paradise, paradise lost, overcoming a certain um, thing to achieve paradise again with extra knowledge. Like a lot of these stories follow that archetypal storyline. Right. I never heard of the term before. So, like, yeah. thank you for clarifying. Mm -hmm. I think that there's also. It's also dependent on how adventurous people want to be. Mm -hmm. Right, so The Simpsons, Family Guy, they're a dime a dozen, right? Mm -hmm. There's actually, uh, again, on Netflix, um, there's a series called The Movies That Made Us. And I ended up watching one of them for Die Hard on, it was either yesterday morning or, you know, New Eve, I can't remember. But it was really interesting how they thought the movie was going to be an utter failure because of Bruce Willis. What? Because they didn't, yeah, they didn't have Clint Eastwood. They didn't have um, Sylvester Stallone. They didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. They didn't have an actor that was super buff and meaty. They, they had someone that was just your regular Joe. And that's one of the things that really appeals about Die Hard, 
you know, mm-hmm. you you can feel his pain as he has to run on glass. You feel his pain when he has to do X, Y, and Z. It's a very, very interesting episode, and people should watch it. You know, really high, the different way you have a narrative, and as a result, it it blows up so well that you start getting clones. You start getting movies that are. It's uh, it's uh, Die Hard on a bus. It's Die Hard on a plane. It's Die Hard on a boat. Mm-hmm. Because the whole premise of Die Hard was it was on the tower. So, you know, and they tried something. They tried to do something that was different from what you call it, your your standard super buff, meaty predator. You know, Judge Dredd super action movie where. The, the hero can do no wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of the more indie-based games try to do. This is this is why I love games like Dead Cells. You know, this is why I'm enjoying The Witcher 3 now that I actually have any bloody clue what the hell's going on! You know, and again, Warframe, you know, but the problem is, for a lot of these games, is that the narrative is written in such a way it is to be experienced firsthand, not through observation. Yeah, that is also, that, that's a very interesting thing when it comes to adapting a game to a movie. And I think that that's also a big reason why a lot of these early game adaptations failed really hard when they tried to make it a movie and also the other way around is because if you look at a lot of the popular titles that were turned into movies, a lot of the, the ideas were to like sell a movie based on the title of the game because the game was so popular. However, taking our infamous example of like Mario Brothers, it's like there is no story. The entire enjoyment of that game comes from you running around as Mario. You don't get that from watching the movie. Um, and of course, I did feel during watching The Witcher that I was like, okay, I can see these, I can see his quest here. I can see like, like, uh, I, I think it was the time when he went out to, um, to the town. If you want, where, 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 if you want to avoid spoilers, just tell me the episode number. Oh no, it was with the miners where, um, like one Witcher had taken up, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Here. That one. Yeah. So basically yeah. the idea is that like, uh, like especially the earlier episodes, like most of them are like, you follow Cavill and he will do in his, in his story, in his storyline for 40 episodes, he will do like one thing and he will kind of like take up a task and then be faced with the challenge. And then he will go back and figure out a way how to overcome it. And then he'll like overcome it and he will get paid in a sense. And I was like, well, this is very much, I can see this just being a quest in the game. This is just like this is this is a quest, which is actually pretty well portrayed. But yeah, like the the overcoming of first like the first person choice experience where you actually play and influence the the game versus passively watching, that is a big barrier to overcome in a successful way, which I think we're seeing being done better and better right now. So one of the big things that is important for making movies, making TV shows, making whatever, is a common phrase, show, don't tell, Mm -hmm. right? So show Geralt drinking a potion, 
to to get super strong to fight the big nasty thing you know don't have Geralt in a pub say like oh I drank a potion and you know actually, and I think that actually what? now that you say that that they did that so right but, oh my god because I was like that potion I still don't necessarily know 100% what that what that is just from the series alone from like watching yeah. it but I don't need to know and like I know that every previous adaptation would have gone out of its way to just be like, yeah, this is this, and uh, it does this and this and this, and only work. It's like, oh my god, they did. Yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting, but they did that so right. And that's that's a big thing about movie magic, right? You show the audience the thing. Don't tell the audience about the thing. Mm -hmm. Likewise, you can say the same thing about gamers, right, or video games in general. Let the player experience the thing. Don't tell the player about the thing. Like, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure every single one of the people that are listening have played Warframe. How often do you go, yes, Audis, that's nice. I don't know what the fuck you're referring to with the old war. I wasn't there. Oh, yeah. I, finally, Warframe has shown part of the old war. It took us like seven years for them to show yeah. cinematics of what that thing looked like to the point where I was watching that and I was like, okay, okay. It didn't really feel real because they never showed anything of it. Uh, but there, uh, I was actually talking about like the two points why I think that adaptations are doing better. And the first point was I think that games are providing better stories and thus better source material to be making movies from. But I think that number two, point two, is also very important, is I think that games are finally at a point where they have to be taken seriously. Because 20, 30 years ago, games were, oh, they're video games. And you got movies, and then you got games, and only kids play games, and they don't care about it. Well, guess what? Over the last decade, games have overtaken the movie industry and the amount of revenue they make. So right now, the movie industry is the smaller player as compared to the gaming industry. And I think that that has also played a huge important part in how seriously uh, project as a as game adaptations are being taken to make a quality movie or series out of it, don't you think? No, I agree. And... I think that there's often a lot of disrespect between um, players, uh, so between different forms of media, right? So, you know, there, there are people saying that, you know, oh, it's just a video game. Ugh, video games are garbage. Ugh. I mean, wasn't it like Martin Scorsese who said that the MCU is not true cinema? Oh, my God. You know? Yeah, I've heard that quote. And, uh, did you see what his daughter sent him for Christmas? No, what did they send him? So she sent him a Christmas present that was wrapped in MCU wrapping paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just just for the, the utter lulls. But the the big thing is that games can be adapted to the big screen. But they have to be written well. You mm. can't just rely on it on the title alone. Prince of Persia was a bloody good movie, even though it had no real 
reflection of Prince of Persia Sands of Time game, it was still a really enjoyable movie, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have Assassin's Creed. That was some of the biggest waste of my time I've ever experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is dependent entirely on the effort you put into it. The Warcraft movie, I will say it here again. I love the Warcraft movie. I'm a huge Warcraft nut, even though that Blizzard have really gone downhill since you know last year. I can say that now. Yeah. And but the I had a point. But the Warcraft movie itself, it told the narrative well. It wasn't making a shit up. It wasn't flailing its arms around. The continuity, though it wasn't a complete representation of games or the books, at least it was something you could watch and go, I feel entertained. But I think another big problem is that reviewers, a lot of people rely heavily on the reviews of other people, right? Mm -hmm. I will not go watch the Rise of Skywalker movie because I've heard too many, it's got too many plot holes in it. And, you know, I've heard too many comments of that. I will not watch it. I will, you know, they ruined the Star Wars franchise with the last three movies. I'm, you know, I'm not prepared to do that. But the the whole thing with the, the Warcraft movie, so many people just like slammed it because, oh, it's just World of Warcraft. Oh, it's, it's a, mo- a video game movie. Uh, like, fucking get over it well i think that's pretty interesting to for for me when i saw the trailer of the warcraft movie i was like oh it's gonna be a games movie again it's like they're gonna try and do this adaptation again it's gonna be horrible because i remembered like assassin's creed and i think that warcraft really paved the way for people to be more accepting of it i think that the witcher is doing a fantastic job right now for people that may just get into this series without even knowing that's connected to a game, love it, and then be like, right, oh, this is based on books and a game. Um, what? I think that, like, it's doing a, it's, it's doing a great, great job for that. Because it's always had this, this, this idea of it's a cheap knockoff. Just like, funnily enough... Has there ever been a game about a movie which has been good? Aside from the Star Wars games, of course. The Legos. I don't know the Lego uh, games. Uh, uh, I, I hate to disappoint. There is such a game that was an amazing adaptation of a movie. And that is? That game was Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. It, that game like really broke them up. The first one. So, uh, for those who don't, uh, for, the, for a lot of people that don't know, I used a, a, a massive Spider-Man nut. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved Spider-Man the longest time until the comics just ruined him. <laughs> Ignoring that, comics are weird. Um, the the big thing about Spider-Man was that the first Amazing Spider-Man game was a very early attempt at 
trying to make a Spider-Man. It it worked to some degree. It was a PlayStation era game, mm-hmm. but it was not anywhere near what it could be. Then the first movie adaptation came again by Triarch, um, who now make Call of Duty games. They they did a phenomenal job. Well, they did a pretty damn decent job of the Spider-Man motion picture game. Mm-hmm. And but you couldn't go to street level, and you were still trapped in maps, right? So you're fighting the Green Goblin or whatever, and it 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 was all right. It was it was good. It looked good, but it wasn't as super fancy as what the sequel became, where you could explore New York City. You could go down to ground level. You could rescue balloons. You could deliver pizzas. It was the first open-world Spider-Man game that was released. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal. The Then there was... Um, oh, God. There, there, was, there was a few Spider-Man games... Some were developed by Triarch, including mm. Spider-Man 2. And then some were created by another company called Beanox. And they were like Ultimate Spider-Man game, along with the more recent ones like Shattered Dimensions. And like the bad ones. They were, they were the bad Spider-Man games. But Spider-Man 2 is an amazing adaptation of movie game. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Uh, there, there are there, there are a couple which are pretty good. I think there's also a bunch which are really bad. Uh, but the fact that they're few and far between is, I think, a bit of a testimony to around that era how adaptations towards movies to games and games to movies were kind of seen as, hey, let's use this title and let's move it to this place to like the movie industry and let's move into the game industry and see if we can like get some money out of out of the titles more than we already do. However, I think that The Witcher does a really great <laughs> great job at it. Um so let us focus on The Witcher a little bit more at the things that it does right and the things on which they may be able to improve on the second season which has already been announced sadly for 2021. So in, like I mean it's better last week we had to save up wait two whole years and then we only have to wait one more year, but still too long. Don't you think? <laughs> no, it's coming out this year. Yeah, so we don't we don't have to wait. Anyway. So I think it's really important that when it comes to any form of narrative, it is easy to comprehend what is going on. Mm. So one of the problems with the Witcher series is just trying to identify the different timelines that stuff is going on. Nothing is an indication of this is a transition of this is happening before this, this is happening after this. It's very confusing. Right? Mm. Now, they can either look to make that easier to comprehend or it becomes, you know, it it stays the same. It stays more stagnant. 
I think that the the timeline things, the way that they the, the way the way that they portray it with like the different timelines actually also works as like a storytelling uh, technique. So I don't want to spoil it too much because. I think that there is actually tension created, and I definitely felt the tension created while watching the um, the series without having played the game before it, of what it meant if the things were playing out in real time at the same time, and then beginning to understand, hey, this is not happening right now. Uh, because, like, l only later on in, in, in the series will you realize that Things don't make sense if they happen, like, at the same time. And then it's like, hmm, let me see, what is this? Oh, oh. And, like, I think that that's a really important uh, technique, which at the start, especially when they're introducing many different characters and you're kind of trying to make sense of this world if you haven't already been invested in it, it's a tough bump to overcome in order to, like, get a grip on, like, what the hell's going on. However, I do think that it works well, especially towards the end of the series where you're like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, so this is the way it's going. I think that it actually worked pretty well for me. I I agree. But one of the biggest problems is that it, it, it can... So you can have people that are like fans of fantasy and stuff like that, but when they get introduced to stuff like, wait a second, but I thought so-and-so was dead and stuff like that. It just makes people get confused. Right. And I, you know, I, I had to tell my father, like on multiple occasions, this happened before this. I only know this because that person is referring to something that's already happened in this other part of the narrative. You know, I think that for a lot of people, if the transitions aren't clear, people are going to struggle understanding when stuff is happening, right? I mean, hell, look at all those, look, look at movies today, right? They, not only do they put a, this is the name of a city, but they actually put the country as well, right? It's like, you know, Cinema Sins takes the piss out of it near constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, London. Well, that's you know, London, UK. Well, that's totally not going to be London on. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because it, it, you know, a lot of the time it's really bleeding obvious. But a lot of the problem is that people don't know a lot of shit. A lot mm -hmm. of stuff is taken for granted. Like, you know, fuck World War Two, 1944. You know, like, you know, well, what do, do yeah. you have to put a year on that? Well, I think that, like, in this case, especially when it comes to the two, um, when, it, when, when it comes to the storyline of Ciri and um, Geralt, like, it really works well. And I think that it's very much intended for you to not be aware of time differences between storylines because the notion of time really, at least for me, was really important in my feeling I had towards, okay, what's going on? If I'd known what I knew at the end of the series, I, I, I it would have been a very much different experience for me. I'm really watching out with spoilers now. But it would have been a very much different experience because of the 
plays where people are and the way that the characters are interacting towards each other and whether they have relationships with each other already or not and like the way that that's explored i think that that's that's done really well i thought that at the start of the i think i i don't think it was the first episode it may have been the second and third episode they were talking a lot of um there were some moments where they were talking a lot of like gibberish words in the sense of like if you're what if you're reading the books if you're playing the game if you're well aware of the universe you're like that's what it means that's what it means in case of warframe you'd be referring to those things as like endo or uh, the the queens tenno the margulis transference it's like all those words which to a random person mean absolutely nothing but then to someone that's seasoned within like the story they're like oh oh they're talking about this that's always been like the big speed bump for me, I think, when it comes to like the adaptations of like big fantasy stories where they become too high and mighty on their on their language and then no one understands what's going on because if I don't know about the definitions of these things, I'm just watching it for the first time and some some persons are talking about like the things of the things and the things. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm just tuning that out. I'm not even catching any of that. Same with, like, Marvel does it as well. No, I, I, I get entirely where you're coming from. I think that, again, um, crap was, um, the Warcraft movie did a really good job of this. Mm -hmm. So it had numerous instances where... Um, people characters names were constant you know people were always by name not by him mm -hmm. you know or something like that and i think it was genuinely because the names weren't particularly easy to comprehend mm -hmm. right you know actually in the witcher series to say a nope i can't remember uh devries yes to say yeah. a devries right I had to repeat her name. I don't know how many times because I kept on forgetting her name. It was like it's it's Tessa, it's it's Teresa. I remember like, her name honestly, very well because the phrase is a really common Dutch name. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> certainly not a common name over here. So like honestly, I I I you know um, Teresa to no to to Sarah to Sarah De Vries. No, to say it. God to damn it, it's so hard. It is so to hard say to remember. Okay, we know. Okay, let's go. To say it a freeze. But, yeah, and but the whole point is in the Warcraft movie, they're always constantly referring to like, oh Duratan, oh Ogrim, oh Duratan, oh Ogrim. You know, they they are constantly referring to each other by name to make it easier for the audience to understand what's going on i remember seeing a review for the warcraft movie where they're just constantly going you know it's like, oh they just constantly refer to each other by name it's like yeah because they're not fucking easy names no they're not and i think like one of the really great things when it came to the introduction of the different races within uh, within the uh the series within the witcher was that they showed they showed that there were different races outside of, like, the human race when they showed the elves, when they showed, like... Like, seriously, like, uh, I, can't, I, I can only imagine how horrible it must have been when they... If, if they if they would have changed it to, to like, 
one of the one of the kings talking about, oh yeah, I remember when I fought the elven king, and then we have the elven, and then they, the elven did this and that, and like you're just listening to all those terms. You're like, oh my god, I I just I don't know what's going on. Anthem yeah. did that in their storytelling. I don't even know what happened with Anthem. I know there was like Anthem of Creation, and aside from that, I don't know because I ditched the game right after that. But like, that is a trap that a lot of like stories fall into. Um, and especially when it comes to the adaptation for like a wider public in the forms of a series. Um, I actually saw Shiva Jin say in the, in the Twitch chat, they were talking about, well, in the case of The Witcher, it was them kind of trying out a Witcher series. They didn't really fully invest into it. So they made a season one, essentially a recap of the larger events in the history so they could at least roughly introduce people to it. I think that you're very right. I think that especially for Netflix to invest in a title like this where throughout history like game adaptations have always been all over the place in terms of how good they can be even though I think they've gotten better over over the last few years uh, it's kind of like a gamble for them to see how well it will work and I think they did it really really right in the sense of yeah they may not have gone into the best of details however what you were saying with the uh what was the what was the 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 name that you now know what it means because of the... say, right to say it? no the, the 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 what they call Gerald the um... Witcher no not the Witcher the from episode one the the oh, thing Witcher that's... of Blaviken yes <laughs> the title yes yeah sorry the Butcher of Blaviken something like that which isn't really easily understood if you get into like. The Witcher free for the first time, but yeah. you can understand now for the series. I think it's a really great entry point. Maybe they've they've been very generalized with it, but it really works well for pulling people into the series. I think that's like awesome. Yeah, the Butcher. Yeah. So when it comes to the game movie adaptations, I think that a lot of people need to realize that. Okay, fine. The origin, the original source material may be a video game, mm -hmm. but as long as the script is written in such a way that it can be easily absorbed as a movie, things like, you know, I think all of the Tomb Raider movies are pretty damn awful. Mm -hmm. Right? There's the, the two Angelina Jolie ones. And then there was the one I can't remember, like the 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 one that was supposed to be like based off the reboot, right? But there was like <sighs> so much weird jumping around, like it it just like this isn't a good narrative. You are just mm -hmm. you know you are doing cat sorry somersaults and cartwheels and you know shooting random guns, like, random things. Like, the narrative just isn't there. It feels more like ticking boxes at that point, where it's like... Yes! Where it's like, oh, okay, we need to we need to touch on this thing that's being told in the game. Then we need to, like, simulate this gameplay experience. And then we need to simulate this. And then we need to simulate that. And then we need to show this. And I think that what The Witcher did very right is not going very deep into, into depth as people might have wanted to see. That were sold in that they were able to, like, tell a story at their own pace and make it 
make sense and feel like an actual piece of media. Yeah. No, I. So when no, it... I, I... yeah, go on. So when it comes to like the representation of what we like the visuals that we are aware of from the game, I think that. Of course, what the Witcher series has is that it's it also has like a really good book series, which I haven't read yet, but I'm going to definitely go and actually pick it up. I think that's going to be really cool to read. Uh, I'm really excited to do that. But aside from the books, which really help with with like creating a narrative for a series, I think that a lot of the visuals that we are used to from the Witcher really come from the game. I think that the game really the biggest adaptation from the game is like Geralt's the way that Geralt looks like that's like I know Geralt from the cover art of The Witcher 3 and they did a really really good job with Henry Cavill um how well do you think that like the adaptation of like the visual elements which you've come to know through playing The Witcher 3 and how do well do you think that they have been adapted into the series um this this is this is difficult to to answer because like it, it does certainly feel like it has a certain level of gloom that the 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 game portrays as much as the series portrays. So like everything's mm -hmm. sort of like dull, flat colors, nothing's bright and vibrant. Um you know, it's it's really interesting i think the only bright vibrant colors you see are in like royalty and magic things like that everything else is like mm -hmm. dull dark uh dismal which works really really well um even when i'm playing on the switch version of the witcher 3 it's really interesting like getting that feeling of it's a dark depressing time because it's war time you know it's mm -hmm. these adventures are happening during a war so yeah, yeah. I I think that that worked really really well. Especially even the magic was very toned down. Like, if you most of the time when they when when movies try to portray magic, they will make it very flamboyant to show up the CGI, and they really help back on that. I feel. No, I yeah, I certainly agree. And it's it's again similar to how they in the Warcraft movie like yeah okay i keep on going back to that but like the magic in the warcraft universe is like really bright and fanciful mm -hmm. right the magic in the lord of the rings universe in middle earth it's really subtle and you know savored right you know you don't see bright sparkling crap everywhere but in again in Warcraft, it's like magic circles everywhere. Like <laughs> yeah. you, just, you just make one appear in the air. Yeah, oh. um, and that that that's the sort of like motif it carries. Right. So I think I think the way that The Witcher portrayed its narrative through the the set design, through the you know costume design, and everything. It, it fitted the the narrative exceptionally well. Of course, there there was when it comes to the costume design, the um, Nilfgaardian armor. So, like the main antagonist army yeah. armor was very much criticized for looking, uh, as Shiva Jim puts it, um, like uh, 
someone had too much black tape left. It was just, you know, if you if you, if you, if you have some duct tape and you want to make make some costumes, there you go. <laughs> I I I can kind of appreciate that, but like again, one of the hardest things that I've been trying to get my head around when I when I first picked up the game. I couldn't distinguish the difference between um, the Temerian forces and the Nilfgaardian forces. I mean, their armors were starkly different, but it wasn't until like I was properly introduced to the different factions from the series did I actually understand what the hell was going on. Yeah, I, I think that it's also... It works... Uh-uh. It works in the sense of portraying them as like, you know, these are the antagonists for the series. They're like, they're dressed as antagonists. And that works in the sense of, uh, uh, hold on, I just lost my train of thought. Okay, um, I think that the, the dressing them up as antagonists really works for people like me that were getting into it when it comes to remembering names they really suck. Like, I am really bad when it comes to, like, remembering the names when they when they threw around the Nilf Guardians. It was only, like, at episode 5 that I really knew who Nilf Guardians were. Because before that, they're talking about so many different, like, like, legions and armies and places. I'm like, sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, but having distinguishable ar- um, armor, like, even if it isn't the greatest looking if you compare it to like other materials which you've seen, I think that it does do its work. No, I, I certainly agree. I think that sometimes, you know, in order to actually establish that someone's a bad guy, just give them a right uh, red lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's red lightsaber, that's a bad guy. Red lightsaber, Definitely. So, what is it that you hope to see from? them moving forward in tell, you what, two. Tell, t- tell you what tell you what let's let's expand this a bit further out all right one thing that i am looking forward to is genuinely the sonic right i when the first trailer for the sonic movie first came out i was like abomination burn it set it on fire mm-hmm. i don't like the fact that they've set sonic in the real world, in in live action, mm-hmm. I do like the fact that they've got uh, Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik. I do like the fact that they're referring to him as Doctor Robotnik. And with the second trailer um, being released, the redesign of Sonic looking like bloody Sonic, I think that that movie is going to do well. Fingers crossed. I, I think it might de- might definitely just do well because of like the memes and the attention it has gotten for people just to be like, I had no intention of seeing this, but now that I s- saw it being a meme and being redesigned, fuck it, let's see it for a meme. Uh, I think that it will definitely do that, and hopefully it will have a decent story to carry it. Because I think when it comes to Sonic, I think that that movie is very comparative to Detective Pikachu. I feel like Detective Pikachu yeah. might also have been the reason why that movie was made. And I watched Detective Pikachu, and frick, I actually had a good time watching that. And that yeah. actually had a really big problem because 
putting, as you say, Sonic in live action, the same way of like putting Pokemon in live action, it really doesn't work. It's like, it's super creepy if you just look at like the trailer and you have no idea of the story. It's like, okay, okay, this is on the line where either it's extremely cool and I love it or absolutely hate it. And most of the time when people try have tried to do live action on these things, it's super failed because as we said before, it's like it wasn't really taken seriously. So it was like, okay, the movie will just be the entire gig of the movie will just be it's the game thing, but then in live action. And we don't care about the plot. And that doesn't work because it's like you're just looking at the CGI renderings like this doesn't look right. This is absolutely horrible. Oh, God, this is oh, this is all wrong. However, what I felt with Detective Pikachu is that the way that the story was told, especially Ryan Reynolds did a great job in keeping the story kind of lighthearted, but at the same time, like having a pretty decent narrative with a pretty good story for its sake that... I enjoyed it. I really did. No, I, I, I fully agree. I think that Detective Pikachu is one of like the better game-to-movie adaptations out there. And in all honesty, I completely forgot about it. I think that it does suffer from some stereotypical tropes. I feel that there are some things that are like, no, this is just crazy bullshit. You've put this in just to have awesome visual effects and nothing else mm-hmm. um like the the scene with the uh torteras oh yeah yeah it's just like this didn't make any sense what the hell were they sleeping on right mm-hmm. like th- this this entire landmass should just be nothing but craters now um and it's it's stuff like that but i think the way that they did it was exceptional no, Good. like, it's it's not the best of the best movie, like, by far not, but it's, like, it's really enjoyable, and it's not super fucking cringe, which is what, like, it could have been <laughs> very easily, and that's what I see with, with Sonic. If you saw the very first Sonic uh, trailer, it was like, oh, God, oh, God, no, 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 please, okay, no, and now I'm kind of like, no, but actually, yes. <laughs> I'm really curious. It could still be bad. It could still be good. I don't know. I'm curious. I got my attention. Going, going back to The Witcher. Actually, think... one more thing. One more thing before we talk, go back to The Witcher yeah, sure. about the Sonic movie. Did you know that the studio that redesigned the Sonic movie, as far as I'm aware, has already been shut down? Yeah, yeah, the, the the studio that redid all the Sonic footage, yeah, um, has closed down. I'm, I'm I'm aware of this, which really blows. Um, but going back to The Witcher, I think the fact that they didn't rely so heavily on visual effects really lends towards it being you're able to take it more seriously. Hmm. You know, it's like Detective Pikachu is a glorified cartoon. Yeah. Um, Sonic the movie is a glorified cartoon. You know, you can put people elements in it as much as you want. But, you know, and the thing is, things like Rick and Morty prove that adults will happily absorb cartoons just as much as kids, mm-hmm. right? It is dependent on how it is written. But 
you know, Hollywood has to have the special effects. Regardless of that, The Witcher didn't have super crazy special effects, right? It had a few, uh, oh God, uh, special effects, but there were a lot of practical effects in there. You know, people in giant costumes, mm-hmm. things like that. You know, I, I, I love the scene in... I think it's the second episode where he has the, the silver chain and he's throwing it at the Strager. Yeah. The Strager. And the Strager just like breaks it and he just goes, fuck. You know, <laughs> like it's, it, it is a person in a suit. You can yeah. tell it is a person in a suit. But it looks so much as a person in a suit than anything else. I, I, I really like the way that they did certain uh, characters, like the, the more not human characters. In a sense of like, I'm always really scared of whenever they try to like show these figures off because they can age really badly in these movies and series. And even like when they lounge, you can just be like, oh my God, that looks horrible. But it actually worked really well, especially not being CGI, not relying heavily on like crazy effects. Really worked well for me. I really liked it. Even even when... There is... Go ahead. There's a YouTube channel mm-hmm. called um, Corridor Crew. Uh, I, I've referenced them multiple times, and they do a series of videos. I think they come out every Sunday, where they talk about um, movies and they talk about specific scenes of practical versus visual effects. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see how they do these things like you know how well this stuff how good this stuff looks because it was a practical effect and it still holds true today than some of the fanciest stuff that may get remasters over time but it it's just like it looks dumb like one of the things i loved the most about the original trilogy of Star Wars movies is when they had a lightsaber, they actually had a physical sword, right? One of the things I hate the most about the uh, the prequel series, prequel trilogy, is that when you see a Jedi, the Jedi's... And in post, in post-production, the animators will put the lightsaber in, they'll the droids in and they'll put the shots in so literally the actor has nothing to work with right most of the time um Mm -hmm. i remember seeing interviews with people like tom holland the mcu star right you know they are literally delivering their entire dialogue to a tennis ball oh yeah (laughs) you know and like and the actor's like um, okay, who who am I who am I talking to here? I was just like, we're not telling you that. There's like, but what, okay, what 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 emotion am I conveying? We're not telling you that. Am I happy? Am I sad? Like, wh- who is this tennis ball to me? Is this my dad or is this my dad's murderer? I don't bloody know. <laughs> and like, you know, so they have the line, and literally, the actor has to do the best they can probably do like a bajillion takes and then the director who doesn't want to tell the actors what's going on in terms of the narrative or especially tom holland because he 
spoils everything. He leaks so much. Um, you know, they um, they have to choose the one they want. I mean, like, I've done it with Arbiters, right? Sorry, not Arbiters. Faulty Frame Squad and Tactical Terror League. When people record their lines, they are recording their lines without the audio of anyone else, mm-hmm. right? So when I ask them to do their lines, I have to ask them do it in a range of emotions, right? So mm-hmm. one of the lines from episode three of Faulty Frame Squad season one is Lilium saying, um, well, maybe that's because you never listened to me, mm-hmm. right? And I had her turn around and uh, she did it like in a really angry voice. And I said, right, now think about this. If you're super pissed off with someone, if you are trying to make them take everything you are saying in, if you want to you know, really convey you're pissed off, you'll say things one word at a time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you never listen to me. You know, and it, it has a huge difference in tone, mm-hmm. right? And I think that when it comes to acting, when it comes to storytelling, choosing the correct way into compositing your video together makes it believable and makes it so that you can still accept it for years to come. Mm-hmm. The original trilogy has had the odd tweak to it, but stands so much higher than the prequel trilogy because it's filled with fucking CGI bullshit. Well, coming back to like the the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe, whenever like you have those scenes where it's just like um, Tony Stark in his Iron Man suit talking, like I can't take that seriously because you just know it's just like it's just camera close up. And just read your lines. It's like, all right, cool. Nothing really happens at that time. Um, that being said, I don't know if you've uh, if you've ever seen the the uncut version of uh, A New Hope. That is really interesting. If you if you if, the, the, if you see the very first Star Wars movie, the what the very first twenty minutes were supposed to be, it was kind of supposed to start off with Luke on uh, and like following him around and it was it was so boring <laughs> it, it was what it was so boring like really like, yeah it, the, the idea was like it would just be 20 minutes of luke going around um going to uh going to go going to tusky station to get some power right. generators and then talking with his friends there about the about the empire and then they just go back and then and then, like twenty minutes later on in the movie, we were actually supposed to go to like where we actually where the movie actually starts off, but they cut it like right before release, and like it it really did the movie it, right. It, yeah, I think like it's really interesting because there are so many narratives that like I don't know if you guys have watched any of the Quentin Tarantino. I love the Tarantino movies because. He puts a lot of what's considered pulp in the actual video itself, right? So 
you know the the cheeseburger scene mm-hmm. in Pulp Fiction, right? It's a classic example. They didn't need to have that conversation, but having that conversation made the movie feel a lot more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, but a lot of things just don't have that anymore, right? It's it's just like you know, the whole point of this scene is to set up something and nothing else, right? Well, like you can see that in The Witcher, you can see that in the MCU, you can see that in literally everything. Nothing feels realistic because people don't talk like that. Well, when it comes to when it comes to that, remember when we were talking earlier about like how they play with the timelines in The Witcher and how you said that this was really confusing and it might not have been a great thing to put in for people to understand what's going on. Yeah. So I think that that is a, a artistic film technique in a way to tell a story and like make people unaware of what's going on and then have them come to a aha and then, you know, give some more to a story than if it was just being told in a chronological order. I think that there's like exposition plays where it's like it's it's pretty much closer to reality unlike what we see in modern movies right now where it's like everything's got to have a purpose because we're going going through the acts and the tempo is a lot higher i think that that was also like an artistic form of storytelling where it's like especially if you go way back into like 50 years back into cinema like movies are so much slower and there's so much more time where they're where they're not like beating every single checkpoint and every single box was like okay here we go we have this we have this we have this you just have like exposition where it's like yeah the movie just comes to a rest and just reality happens and oh five minutes and we have some story it's like that was a way that they did it in the past and i think that what we're seeing now is that because it was very confusing to people i think especially for like younger generations that will go back to older movies that are just sitting there like well, this is this got no steam. I don't know what's going on. I'm very disinterested. I think it's the same thing where it's like it's a way of telling a story which has fallen out of favor because it wasn't as accessible to a lot of like the general audience who just wanted them their action and their important points to be served and they didn't care about the fluff. And this this is this is something that's really kind of light, right? I, I I'd ask to put a poll, but anyone that actually voted saying that they liked The Last Jedi, I'd have to hunt down and brainwash to convince them that they didn't. But, like, it's it's really interesting. It's like, one of my best friends, he thought The Last Jedi was an exceptionally... You're not putting up a poll, are you? <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> right. He thought that The Last Jedi was actually a really good movie. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can you think that The Last Jedi was a good movie, right? It's bad. There are so many, like, weird shit going on, right? How do bombs fall in space, right? That makes no sense. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's the gravity pulling it out of the ship, right? It's like, well, okay, fine. Explain gravity in ships, right? You know, oh, it's like, oh, it's inertia, Right? Well, if it's fucking inertia, why aren't they spreading out from each other? Right? This makes no dicking sense. And this is a large part of the problem. Is like, uh, you know, a lot of people can just switch off their rational thought, 
right? But there are some people out there that just can't, right? I can't. When I'm listening to, um, when I'm seeing the movie and I've got someone going, what's our plan? Our plan is hope. I'm just like, what the fucking cocking shit is this? No fucking wonder he's fucking mutinying this shit up. Right? It's like, if someone turned to me, it's like, oh yeah, we've got like this this death laser pointed right at us. It's like, what? okay, so what are we going to do about it? We're just going to hope. I'm like, your plan is fucking whack. I'm going to do something else. Oh man, like I really love that expression. It's just gravity in space? Gravity in space? Hold on. What are you saying? What are you saying next? They're just going to breathe the air in space? Hmm. Oh. (laughs) But no, it's... I think that especially when it comes to like some movies are really great for you, are like that with it <laughs> where it's like I remember watching like even like anime series like uh, Tengen Top and Gurren Langa. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh but, yeah, I've seen Gurren Langa. But that one is amazing if you just switch of your brain because nothing makes sense. It's like they will it it starts off with like with like with like a a keychain like drill that that's being plugged into like a a very small like si- like half the size it's of a, a human like robot and that turns into the size of multiple galaxies because of reasons i can't remember and, but yeah it's yeah. because the robots piloting robots piloting robot piloting a robot yeah yeah but like, but, but but like like at, and in the final climax scene it's like they they have like turned the moon into a robot and then that robot like uh in the final climax, like this. like they 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 for the power of feelings, they create a robot that is the size of like not just planets. Like you'll see the Sumacho. It's not just planets. It's not just Milky Way galaxies. It's like it's like it zooms way the hell out. And then like you see this massive robot emerge, and it's like yeah. And then like okay. And then like in the final climax, like the the, the final like push ends up being like this thing turns into like the smaller version of the smaller version the smaller version until like it's finally that very first robot that like deals the final blow it's like it makes no sense but that's fine because like that's the entire series it doesn't need to make sense but the big thing is right mm-hmm. with Gurren Lagan, with uh, any like tournament anime with a lot of anime right yeah. it lays down the rules of it. Star Trek is brilliant for this as well. Mm-hmm. It lays down the rules of the universe, right? And it fucking follows them, mm-hmm. right? But some of the rules of the universe when it comes to comics in general, right? Are just like, oh no, we're just going to bullshit this. We're like, you know, I'm just going to bullshit. Like, what? So one of the. The biggest things that I hate about um, comics is it's down to the whim of the writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not fact checked. It's not um, you know. It's it's just oh, writer says this. I'm gonna fucking do it. Right now, um, Captain America's shield. Right mm-hmm. in the comics now is made from vibranium and a early god god an early process of adamantium 
which is stronger than Wolverine's claws. Mm-hmm. Right? Which makes no sense. Why is everything made like during World War II better than anything we've made today? Right? Ignoring that, the Hulk cannot break Captain America's shield. The Hulk has wailed on Captain America's shield, but no such luck. Right? However, Cyclops's punch beams, right? Yes, they are blasts of kinetic energy that are pink, right? Mm-hmm. Cyclops's punch beams, again, kinetic energy, <laughs> managed to break Captain America's shield, mm-hmm. but the Hulk can't. And the, the reason why it's like able to do this is because it, it exploits a fault a flaw in the shield and it's just like hold on what how can how can that exploit a flaw in the shield but like the hulk punching it doesn't that makes no sense whatsoever if there's a fracture in something you keep hitting it it's going to break i feel that a lot of a lot of entertainment dulls down or dumbs down or cuts down on explanation and reality and logic for the sense of delivering a story I think that if you try and take a look at everything that happens and you're an expert on that field, nothing will make sense. Fun, uh, A fun fact, I've actually been um, stumbling upon a YouTube channel called Legal Eagle. It's like a a lawyer that's making YouTube videos where they analyze like the process of like lawsuits within movies and series. Yeah. And I, around the summer, I started watching Suits for for a bit on Netflix, yeah. which is like a series around like lawyers and like it's like a lawyer drama. And you'd imagine that when the entire premise of your series is centered around lawsuits and lawyers doing their job, it's like hopefully it would make sense. Or how to get away with murder. I really watched a lot of that like two years ago or something. And he just breaks it down where it's like, well, this would never happen this fast. This makes no sense. This doesn't happen at this point. This is just completely out of the blue. This would never even be allowed to. This person would have been disbarred already. And it's like, I think that a lot of things need to be dumbed down uh, in the sense of like, like, let's, let's take, for example, I don't know whether it's 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 a quality of the Witcher. We know that the one that one of the things is like he heals fast, but he also needs to maintain his shape. And like if you if you take a look at like high class athletes, they need to train so many hours to just stay in shape, let alone get better. Uh, if you look at like the way that he lives and the amount of very unsustainable rest that he has and very unsustainable food sources that he has and the way that he has to like live in like this wandering nature that he has for him to be at his best the entire time is quite frankly like almost an impossible task if he also wants to have all these adventures that were watching him or playing him as same with warframe you would never be able to have warframes that are just like on the top of their game the entire time like you can't but like if if half the game would consist of you like training and then recovering from injuries and drinking your protein shakes, that'd be boring as fuck. Not only that, right? But take into consideration. Okay, so so Warframe we can bullshit a bit mm-hmm. with like, I don't know, genetics, void magic, whatever the bloody hell. Right? Lara Croft, right? How how or, or Solid Snake? Here's another one. Solid Snake, right? Solid Snake is shimmying across like I don't know some ledge or something. How has he not run out of energy and just fallen to his death? 
mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, at some point in time, you've got a consideration. It's like, consider. Exhaustion is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, no, so... But I mean, we can we can look past that, right? You know, we can look past the silliness of these shows and still enjoy it, right? I really enjoy um, the Amazing Spider-Man movie, the the first one with Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. right? I enjoy the second one as well, but the there's one thing in the first one which a friend of mine from the states bloody hates right which is the liquid nitrogen that's stored on the roof of oscorp mm-hmm. right liquid nitrogen would never be stored out in direct sunlight <laughs> you wouldn't be able to keep it cold right and it's 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 stuff like that like you know when when you watch something like so two films that are absolutely bullshit in terms of scientific value, right? The core mm. and oh god, what's the other one? Uh, Sunshine, right? Mm. Both absolutely shit when it comes to science, right? Oh, we need to keep this um, what's called motherboard super cool at sub sorry at uh, absolute zero, otherwise it'll overheat and explode. I'm like, no, it's absolute zero. That thing ain't working. I can promise you that. <laughs> Right, you need to keep it at room temperature. Like, if it is overheating, it's because it's what you call. You're not able to disperse the heat that much. You could then liquid cool the heat sinks. Mm-hmm. You can't fucking submerge the thing in fucking um, liquid nitrogen. It's just like, nope, that thing is now dead. Right? Mm-hmm. Then there's the whole ah, oh, the the rack to to lower the motherboards. It isn't going back into the liquid nitrogen. I know. I will climb in it. Said no sane human ever. Right? And then there's like, oh, God. No, no. So, uh, NVIDIA, it's it's not nuking the sun to restart it. It was blowing up a mass bomb. By the way, if that bomb is not made of pure hydrogen, it will do dick all. You know? And it's, it's like, but the core, the core... <laughs> the, <laughs> the core of the earth has stopped spinning. We need to restart it. Bullshit science. Absolute bullshit science, right? But the characters, the actors were so lovely and charismatic and charming. You could just fall in love with it, mm. right? But there was nothing appealing of sunshine, right? Yeah. I think but that... Oh, this, this, this is something that The Witcher certainly has going for it is the fact that the which got Henry Cavill's performance was phenomenal as Geralt, right? That mm. you know it's like fuck, you know, or shit, or you know, like it was it was just like the way he would ever come up with it is just brilliant. You've also got the the actresses that played Siri and Yennefer. Yennefer's actress was amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know her name. She was incredible. Like wow Mm-hmm. I was truly surprised, right? Yeah. If you do not get top quality performance, people will see it, people will pick up on it, and they won't give a shit. Yeah, no, I I'm, I was about to say, it's like exactly what you said. It's like the way that they tell the story, especially for the actors, it's, it's well, it's really well done. It really... 
takes you with it. And that's and that's what you want. Is you, is you want to be taken with you want to be taken up with a story and just let that guide you and then let that enjoy like make you feel with like I'm following this story now because once you're kind of like out of this thing, I remember very clearly, like, I don't know what to call this. I don't know whether there's a term for this, but like being taken up by a movie or a game or a series so much that you're like, you, you actually like feel like you're within the flow of it. I remember very well. Immersion. immersion. How the hell do I forget that? I always talk about immersion in Warframe. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, the immersion of it. Like, I remember 10 years ago, we used to have, like, a really small TV because everyone had small TVs back then. And I remember I would always sit down for a movie, especially if it was a good one. And I would just be like, how the hell can I, like, consume a movie when this when the screen is so small? Like, I can see it being so small. And, like, 10 minutes in, I would just feel like I was in the movie itself. And it was, like, every time I was watching a movie, it's like, how the hell does this work? And if a movie was really bad, you would just see it. You'd just be like, oh, that's just a movie playing on a tiny screen. But otherwise, like, no, you wouldn't feel it. And, like, the same thing goes with, like, rationalizing things away. If, like, a movie, if, like the narrative isn't well told, you're like, well, there's a flaw here, there's a flaw there. I remember, like, I only watched, like, the first, Star Wars movie when they rebooted the thing I was like I was just watching the entire thing I was like nope 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 okay no no I'm I'm not watching anymore I'm done <laughs> so I didn't watch the rest of it and I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I missed out on anything but yeah I'm super stoked for season two of The Witcher <laughs> I I think I think the big thing is that when it comes to immersion it's down to how much do you have to think about what is going on? Mm-hmm. How much you are thinking about other things? How much you are captivated by what's going on? And things like that. So, like, if you're watching The the Witcher and you're trying to work out when stuff is happening, that breaks immersion, right? When you're watching, um, what's it called? Sunshine and... Someone turns around and says, "Oh, I need to." Sorry, um, you're watching Sunshine, and someone's turning around saying, "Like, oh, I need to calculate this by hand." That breaks immersion. When you're watching, I'm trying to think of something else. Um, yeah, anything where it's just like, no, that just wouldn't happen, or what's going on, or you know, who is this person, and it just breaks immersion. Or any point in time when you're just like, oh my god, I'm so bored of this, right? Again, breaks immersion. Like, I had that all too often with 24, the TV series, as well mm-hmm. as, damn, what's the name of the other one? Um, Game of Thrones. Like, I got so bored with Game of Thrones because it was constantly cutting between characters. If you're going to tell me a narrative, stick with one fucking character. Again, which is why The Witcher was so good, is because it focused on just three characters. So how do you feel that The Witcher compares with uh, Game of Thrones? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, The Witcher, I'm so excited for it because now Game of Thrones has ended in not a very popular way. They're like, oh, my God, The Witcher is really what I was missing now. Uh, do you think that they in some way compare? And if they do, um, like, in what way? So... I personally think you can compare anything with anything else, right? 
it's how much of a comparison can you draw yeah. you know you can compare destiny and warframe but it's like well but how much can you compare them by so it's like well of course you know, i mean what kind of like what kind of similarities do you feel that they have similarities in a sense tribal here says in chat that he does get game of thrones vibes from the witcher right so i do feel that the the way it's shot the way it's like captured on the mm -hmm. screen um there is a lot of similarity between game of thrones and the witcher especially the more drab colors right mm -hmm. the way that the the world is very grim dark right so that is a, a strong similarity that between the two right the mystical the the fantasy elements to it are a mm -hmm. lot stronger in the witcher than they are in game of thrones like game of thrones it, it, it was just like you know this this is people doing people things right mm -hmm. yes in the later seasons like oh yes we're now having dragons fighting not dragons and you know oh we've got giants and but like in, game, in the witcher they just like they're headstrong and they just like dive straight in right which is really good um other comparisons is i feel that they're um they're both series which don't shy away from some more gritty or uh real elements which a lot of tv has shied away from especially things which are like relevant during that time like a lot of times like especially when like henry cavill comes around and just says fuck i'm like fuck yeah fuck you demonetization haha -ha! like i really love after youtube has like censored basically every single creator on his website i really love whenever there's like a <laughs> Someone in any form of media just says fuck. I'm like, yes. Um, but like not well, necessarily it, that, but even but like when it comes to like battle scenes, a lot of times battle scenes would just be like they would be very massively shot and like you wouldn't be able to make out anything and like they wouldn't show anyone being ripped open or anything, or like if they would really, go ahead. Here's a really good one. Uh, I don't know how many people have watched this series. Um, The Boys. Right? I have not it's watched a, it. It's a Amazon Prime show. It's really good. It's worth watching season one. Season two is supposed to be coming out this year. But there is some really sloppy um, cinematography. Mm -hmm. right, at one point in time, the, the Wonder Woman-esque character, she's training up, right? She's got all these sort of like bodybuilder athlete you know trainers around her you know to to train her up and things like it it just cuts 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 like every other second is another cut to another angle you can't absorb anything right mm -hmm. you know whenever you're watching an action sequence in a movie it's a cut from one punch to another mm -hmm. right like you watch it with the MCU you watch it with a lot of movies it is just cut to cut to cut this is one thing that Quentin Tarantino does really well, which is they will only... Sorry, Quentin Tarantino will only cut where it is necessary. To, right? So mm -hmm. if you're... If you're, like, one cut is you're throwing a punch, and then the other um, cut is the punch connecting, right? He wouldn't do that. He mm -hmm. would just go one long take going from one person, like, you know... Um, oh god, the Kill Bill, the bride 
in the the restaurant in Japan. I can't remember the details too much. But like a lot of that, there were multiple long cuts. Yes, there were cuts throughout it, but there were multiple long cuts, which was mm-hmm. great. I really love a really good long cut, like especially when it's done so well. They're like, oh my god, how the frick did they do this without like having a cut in between, with a lot of extras around different locations? Oh my god, some of us are well done. Uh, but yeah. what I what I especially mean with the not afraid to show ideas like what Marvel will do is like they will not show a lot of like what's going on in the battlefield was just like move away it's like a punch is thrown and instead of like having a close-up of what's happening it's just like you get a wide shot and like you see a character like fire away and like oh they're like down and you will you might only see like a close-up of their face or what a lot of people what a lot of people do like an example of the witcher is a lot of times when a character in a movie like commits suicide for example by like doing like the leap of faith like drop down You'll see them fall down, and that will be it. You will never be shown the actual body. You will never actually be shown that they've fallen down because too scary. Witcher happens, and like they actually have the body, like you will see it be, it has fallen down, and then like it's also being interacted with. And those are things which I think Game of Thrones really didn't shy away, also from nudity. They didn't really shy away from that at all, and I don't think Witcher does. Does it does at the same time? They don't, Um, and I think that those things are uh, they can like I feel that that pulls a big similarity between the two as well, and I really love them for it because it doesn't feel as toned down. It just feels like, hey, this was this is the way that it was. This is the way that like in the in the the setting that we're telling the story. This is the way that these things happen. You gotta I live think, with them. I think that there is a important realization, though, that to me it often feels that HBO, mm-hmm. um, they end up. <laughs> this this is me going to be um, uh, derogatory, but they end up putting oh look boobies right mm-hmm. in their shows to drive viewership. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just like, oh, check out this naked chick. You can see her boobies. And it's like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not producing quality content. You're just putting, you know, un, you know, you're just uncensoring stuff. And it's just like one of the thing, one of the shows that I, um, oh God, I'm going to say this. I am one of the shows I really enjoyed was The Brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's got Jack Black in it, um, and oh god, another famous actor. I can't remember his name. It's gonna drive me nuts. Um, and it is about um, like effectively America screwing up, preventing another world war, mm-hmm. and they they're, they're constantly on the verge of like uh, another disaster. In like uh, you know, it's it's very reminiscent of the aftermath of 9-11 and things like that. And they, they, they do, they do show the, the, well, they, they do show penis. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, well, there's no other way I can say it. Right? Well, the way that you said they, they do show, like, let me, let me hold up. They, they do show, are you guys ready? They, they do show yeah. penis. 
it's like no, I think that there is like a um, a very important thing where um, there is a very distinct difference, especially you can see this in anime series where they where they will have like this fan service completely destroying a series because yeah. you either have that they just like don't want to show anything at all and they'll just go out of their way that you're not seeing anything is it still family friendly yet or it will just be like hey were you thinking about watching a movie or watching porn how about both watch us and it's like no no please yeah, don't and, and, and it's it, it is it's just so like I respect a show that will get the wang out right uh, as well as the boobage, right? But, you know, when it comes to just like, oh, look at this fan service. We've angled the characters. Do you know the term shot reverse shot? Yeah, I'm very well aware of that. <laughs> right. So for anyone that is not familiar with the term shot reverse shot, a classic example is watch any episode of Supernatural, right? When one character is talking to another, they'll, you know, you'll have a camera over the shoulder, and you can see like the the clip of the the head, right? Mm. You know the, head, the side of the head, and the person that's in the the background is talking to the person that's you know out of focus. And then instantly it will swap to the other side, right? Where it is the you know the the reply coming from the person that was originally out of focus, and it it just constantly does it. Faulty Frame Squad. I use the technique a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And I realize. You know, in my immaturity, <laughs> that I have used it a lot. Now, um, in crap, where was I coming with this? I put in effort of explaining shot reverse shot. Well, you were. Um, oh, we... fan service, fan yeah. service, fan service, right, right. Whereas, like, okay, so you will have it in like anime and things where the, the girl's talking and it's the shot. Um, with the guy's head out of focus. But then when the guy's talking, it's the girl's butt out of focus. Like, why have you changed the angle? Mm -hmm. Why have you moved the camera down so you can see her butt? And then all of a sudden, like, depending on the quality of the show, the butt is more in focus and more <laughs> in the shot than the guy talking. It's like, so you'll have like three quarters, sorry, three, uh, sorry, two thirds of the screen will be the girl's butt, and then one third will be the guy that's actually talking. And. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's like when whenever I see when that they're pushing fan service in the sense of like, oh, look at this, it's naked people. It's like, but like you're never gonna like be as good as porn. So, like, yeah, what's the point of you? Um, and, and like I I feel that whenever it comes down to, um, if you're looking at some anime series which are like aimed at teens or just general series which are like aimed at teens which I kind of grew up with like you'll think that they're really gritty but whenever like someone gets like attacked by a sword or killed by a sword it's most of the time like they just slash and you might see like a splatter of blood and then the person just falls over and it's like yeah no that doesn't really happen that way and then like you go to um, The Witcher and there are some really grueling ways that people die and really grueling ways that they describe how people are being killed at the moment, which a lot of times general series shy away from. Um, and like if it's being like pushed forward, like the way that like, oh, show me, show me the boobies. It's like, yeah, no, no, like that doesn't feel genuine. But when it's like during those times or during the scenario you're setting forward, this shit really happens. I really like it when series don't 
try to shy away from it, but they just show it as it is. And, like, I really respect that with... I respected that with Game of Thrones, even though, like, I was also, like, really fair enough with, like, the way that they switch characters and, like, anyone could die at any moment is, like, who do I care for? What do I watch? What's going on? Like, I, I was, like, really yeah. fair enough by that. Witcher, I really like the way they do it. I love it. Like, one 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 scene that I think... Like, when you when you get two characters... In The Witcher, I'm just, just focusing yeah. on The Witcher. When you've got two characters going to town on each other, I can appreciate them being naked. Right? Mm -hmm. But when you have got two characters who have finished going to town onto each other and the scene introduces you to that, I don't think it's necessary to cover up the naughty bits only for the ladies again, boobies, to just fall. Oh! Oh, my boobs fell out. Oh, whatever shall we do? Like... Again, that is just glorified fan service. You know, there, there, there is there is no need for for that. You know? So, so um, I go ahead. I do hope I do hope that that hasn't attracted more of an audience than it should. I mean, the thing with the the thing with like attracting an audience and like I know that. This is like a concern for a lot of people that like, oh, I don't make X videos anymore because then like I will attract people that will only care about X. It's like it's not necessarily that like an entire audience only cares about one single thing and will never be yeah. persuaded by anything else. It's like maybe they're attracted by it, but who knows? They might stick around for something else. Um, but yeah, I actually wanted to talk about the big, 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 big problem with the Witcher series. The thing that almost killed me from watching it. Is this going to be something serious or is this something you're making out to be serious but is a joke? No, it is super serious. Okay, so like this is a big as the, the discrepancy between the game and uh, and the movie where like... This is the beard, isn't it? No, it's not the beard. No, no, I, I wouldn't care about some, something as insignificant as the beard. I'm talking about that Roach is on his forefeet on the ground the entire time. He's not standing on houses or something. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, with that glorious bombshell. Um, should should we should we bring out the questions? Should we get people to go with the questions? Yeah, I mean, we, it... we seem to have talked plenty about the booty. Yeah. If you so, guys have any questions, feel free to post them in, uh, in chat. I think that we are. Um, that's just wrap up like the, the main question of what the Witcher means for game adaptations. I think that I think that the Witcher is a great I think that the Witcher lays a great pathway for better and better game game adaptations. I think it's a really good series that can introduce a lot of like the mainstream public into the games, into the books, very much like myself. And I think that it's probably a lead to a more popular trend of seeing better narrative games being made into better adaptations in forms of movies or series i would really like to see netflix pick up additional game to uh, to show types be it like a movie or a name of the thing just a series 
right? I think a lot of media will lend lend itself better to a series, but I think movies are more popular only because they're easier to consume and like you know it's a one and done thing unless it's the MCU. <laughs> but the the important thing is that yes, I really. Think a you know hell i mean cephalon tribal in chat has just said a warframe show a warframe show could work as long as it is written well right that is one of the biggest things and again the reason why witcher works is because it is written well the reason why Die Hard worked is because it was written well the reason why super mario bros tank was because it was a mess and it was never going to work you know and that's why i'm like i would not recommend warframe at all <laughs> because no, I, th- I think it's too hard i think i think it would work better as an anime well right? no because... no but like like the thing with the thing is is that we 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 grant warframe this amazing lore and is a great story but as exist. as the lore master himself, Ksela, said on the Framecast when he was on, it's like it makes no sense. There were so many plot holes in it, and like we yeah. have, if we if you look at seven years of like this Warframe game that we have, and like the the little scarce amount of lore that we have, it's not that much. And I think that what made World War uh, War uh, Warcraft and what made uh, the Witcher really great is they also have the underlying books. Like there yeah. is really good narrative. Um, yeah. That like they have a lot but of material it, it, to work with. It would seriously require like Steve or someone to work with a professional writer to come up with books of this is what the Warframe universe is. Fuck it, that's what happened with Bloody Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Originally, Warcraft was just you know orcs versus humans, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's got loads and loads of books. I've read some of them. I wish I mm-hmm. had time to read more of them. But I think if Steve was to get what the vision, or Steve and Jeff, to get the vision out of their head and into an author's head and they could write a book, I think that could start the initial pavement, so to speak, or paving slabs or foundation or whatever, that could become a show that's an anime or something on Netflix. But as it stands now, not a chance. I mean, I mean, tank. I, I mean, they would have to retcon so many things in the game. And like, yeah, I, I don't see them do that with the way that they develop and the way that they push out. But uh, speaking of adaptations, which games or like which one or two games would you think would work for a movie or series adaptation? <laughs> More of the Warcraft stuff. Um, so a serious game adaptation, I think I would argue that Metal Gear Solid would work. Mm-hmm. Um, Darksiders, I think, could work. Like the the, the Darksiders franchise, um, could work. I'm you know I'm still, um. A little naive on how that would work, but even so, I still think it could. Um, I, you know, like I'm a huge fan of Near Automata. I do not think that would work. I really don't. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, 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 I could go on. I was thinking about Outer Worlds, who that recently have played. I really loved that in the way that they told their story. 
would be really hard maybe in, in like a movie format that doesn't detract from the game but then again um yeah let, let me know what you guys also feel if you're listening to this what kind of games would you think might work really well or might not work really well um, i think i think rpgs i think rpgs are always a safe bet yeah. Like Final Fantasy VII, that would work really well. It's anything that has a really deep, complex narrative that would work, right? Anthem. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let's go take a look at the questions that we have. Um, whether we have any did questions. Have any? Yeah, I think we did. Let's see. Oh, I mean, Aturia just asked us a moment ago, Mishoxina, which game... Oh, which game do you never want to see made into movies or TV series, even if it was well-written? Call of Duty. Oh. Like, I mean, if if I can go more broad than that, anything that's done by EA or Activision. Okay. Right? I'm going to say I would love to see done well. Only only like, like the requirement is done well. Okay. I would love to see done well a Fortnite movie. Because I'm surprised they haven't done one already. It's like, seriously, like, can you imagine how, like, how big of a cash grab that would be and how much of, like, a dumb, silly story that would be that would make no sense to the game would be absolutely garbage trash movie. But they just slap four down and every every kid watches it. No, but, yeah, yeah no, actually, no. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally get it. Like, you know, oh, go watch the movie, get a code, redeem it, get some random Get a skin, item. get a skin. Yeah, but get like, a skin. Can you, like, like, how what the hell would you even make a good movie out of Fortnite? It's like no. Um, actually, well, how'd, how'd... actually, a good movie, a good movie. Okay, censor, censor me in your head saying this because I'm actually not allowed to say this. But I think Overwatch would make a pretty good movie. Nope, nope. I can tell you why. Why? Because all the characters know each other. There's only one character that is not part of the overarching crew of overwatch and that's sigma right every other character is related to another character in some capacity it makes no sense this this is literally like a mafia family just constantly infighting the 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 lore narrative just doesn't exist right everyone's got a background but it just like they there needs to be a divide where people do not know each other and it just does not exist. It's like, imagine Game of Thrones, but everyone's intimately familiar with each other. It's just like, how, how, do, you, how do you even fucking know that person? Oh, well, I was on, uh, I was the, the little hamster ball that was attached to Winston's shuttle as he escaped the Lunar Labs and then detached in orbit and landed in Australia and met up with Junkrat and Roadhog. Yes, that is literally the hamster's lore. Oh, man. Like, I, I haven't played a lot of the, of the game. I've only seen it, like, a couple of times. I did see, like, this, I have seen some cinematics come by, and whenever I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, let me check out this game. Maybe it's got some good lore. And then, like, I discovered there's no lore in it, and I was like, okay, fuck. Interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, that, that Overwatch is one I would never want to see. If never. it's done well, though. No, like, seriously, I just don't think it would just be 100% a cash grab because the plot does not exist in Overwatch. StarCraft I'd love to see, Diablo I'd love to see, right? But just Overwatch just has no plot. It makes no sense. Borderlands, I see here, Tribal say. That's interesting. That could work. Um, 
Let's see. Are there any more questions? Um, oh my God, Fallout! I see Fallout in chat. Imagine Fallout seventy six. Like, like the story, the the movie of Fallout seventy six would just be you lounge like like the the character awakens in a desolate wasteland, and then like he finds a bag. And it's just like a very shitty nylon bag where everything just falls out of. And then he walks <laughs> around and then like 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 he can just like open up a door and then open up this small little shed where like all the developer things are. Just like he can just loot everything and have everything day one from the start. And then he walks into like this this other map and then someone all the way across can just steal his entire inventory because recently there was this bug where people could just like steal all your shit that you were having on you if they were in the same instance. And then like the server just shuts down. <laughs> yeah, the movie just stops, but the doors are still locked and you can't leave. Yeah, and then like and then like like the movie stops and then like five minutes later it goes back again and then like it starts all over again because it didn't save because the service went down. And yeah, it's just empty because no one plays full at seventy six anymore. That would be a great game. A movie. That'd be awesome. I'll, I'll skip that. So yeah, no, I've never played Kingdom Hearts either. Um, I'm getting Good into reason. it. No, but yeah, if you guys have any more questions, feel free to put them in. Um, I have been really, <laughs> I've been really enjoying watching The Witcher. I think it was been amazing. It's really prompted me to play the games. And have you probably watched Lost in Space yet? Lost what what what? Lost in Space. Have you watched it? No, yet? I've not. I, I thought you said Lost in Space. Like, wait, did you make a video of him being shot out of a torpedo tube? Bitch, get on Lost in Space, and I'll get Lost in Space. I mean, yeah, what? I'm negotiating with him, trying to get, you know, him in the torpedo tube. Tell him, okay, tell him that like he will go into a torpedo tube, and you'll make like a machinima style movie video called Lost in Space. <laughs> and that will be it. <laughs> that would anyway. be wonderful. I'll pay, I'll pay money for that. Right. So that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Either here live, um, what you call it, on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Today is Thursday, I know, but I wasn't available on Tuesday. If you want to listen to the full two-hour-ish episode, please go to youtube.com slash games, or if you just want to catch the highlights, which I think I'm going to try and improve, go to youtube.com slash xenogallion. I've mm. got my own channel. If, however, you are feeling nice and generous, please consider supporting either of us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash michellepostma or patreon.com slash xenogallion pretty easy to work out who's is who's but just in case you're confused mine's michelle postma just letting you know and i'm right. xenogallion please warframe <laughs> fight me again me you recognize my face and fight me <laughs> xenogallion but no the very that, bearded one actually i will um i will normally we don't promote the patreons but this time i will and i because i have a very good way to promote it <clears throat> basically Go to the Patreon and please toss a coin to your Witcher. <laughs> oh my dude. That is glorious. Good job.